how are you guys doing today? We're going to have fun? Excellent. Surveys show that if I do fun stuff in the beginning, you won't be mad at me towards the end of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I wanted to, uh, I want to tell you guys, I am such an absolutely, absolutely blessed man. I have my parents here tonight, my mom and dad. I have several of my children here today. I, I had my brother on stage with me. I had my son on stage this morning. I am, I am just glowing right now. I'm like a, a bride who's getting married. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I want to read a story to you guys this morning. It's in Luke 17, 11. And um, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village... He was met by 10 leopards who stood at a distance. Now, you need to know that leopards in that time, lepers, needed to, uh, <laughs> um, they actually needed to stand arm's way. The Jewish law said that, um, the Torah said that they needed to stand arm length and a fingertip away from people. That it wasn't something they could come close to, even when they went into villages. But they were really outcasts. Um, it says, um, we don't know if they were male or female. We just know that it's, it's 10 lepers and on, and on the, oh, it says stood in the distance and lifted up their voices saying, master, Jesus, have mercy on us. They knew who he was. They, we don't know. We knew that he was a miracle worker. They knew that the only hope they had would be him when they went to him. And it says, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. See, Jesus immediately, in the story, Jesus immediately told them to do what the Jewish law said to do. Because in the Jewish law, what you had to do is, in order to, when you were, if you were cured of that or something happened and you didn't have it anymore, you needed to actually go to the priest. And they would say if you were cleansed, and if so, then you were allowed to go back to your families or go back to the, the city or the town that you came from. Then one of them, when he was, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, I can imagine that that was probably a pretty loud, I mean, this is someone that has lived with leprosy for many, many, many years, we think. And, um, and the pain he goes through and everything. It says, now he says, now he was a Samaritan. Meaning he wasn't Jewish. Didn't know what the Torah said. Torah said, didn't know what the laws said. Then Jesus answered when he came back, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. He was already healed. I'm sure that he was talking about his soul. He was saving him. Close our eyes just for a minute. 
Dear Lord, I ask right now, Lord, that you calm my nerves, Lord. Don't bring any attention to me up here, Lord, that everything that comes out of my mouth is, is of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. How many of you guys have been to see a movie lately? A action movie? No. How many have watched a movie lately? Okay. Who, and I'm going to ask you guys, who actually relates to, or when you watch a movie, who relates to the good guys? Okay. Everyone does. It shows that 99% of people, 99.9% of people, when they see a movie or they hear a story or they read a book, they actually relate to the good guy. We watch superheroes. We are a superhero. And uh, the other 0.1% are actually the people that they write all the CSI shows about, okay? <laughs> that don't want to be the good guy, okay? Um, I have, uh, ever since I was a kid, I'm very imaginative. I love the kids department because I get to be a kid back there and I have an incredible imagination. So I overthink things lots of times, picture things in my head. But ever since I was young, 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 whenever I watched a story, I was the good guy. I watched every show I could. I was the good guy. I, my favorite show, who has ever heard of Sonny Crockett? Has anyone ever heard of him? Okay, good. I don't. Okay, we got a couple. That is, um, who's heard of Miami Vice? Okay, you remember the cool guy in the white shirt? I used to have one of those shirt, those jackets, the pants, the shirt, everything. In fact, I have a picture of. Uh, we have a little fun today. There I am. In my head, this was me. Okay. In my head, I was the good guy. I had the shirt, the pants, every. And in fact, to this day. I still own the holster that they made back in the 80s. I still have the holster for that gun. And it's like prized because it's, it's the good guy's holster, you know. I don't want to use it that much or something. But um, I've actually gone through and done a collage because I like, I like using my imagination. We have a bunch of heroes at this church. We have a bunch of people, good guys at this church. And I want to show the very first one, the first picture I have, is I don't know if you guys know this guy here. But this is uh, John Wayne, the bishop of our church. We have another one. This is Pastor Gloria, the overseers. And here is Pastor Barb, Captain Marvel. <laughs> our, here is Pastor Paul. <laughs> They're not here today to approve this, so I get to hijack the show. You know what I mean? I would not have been allowed to do this if they were sitting in the front row. Pastor Jen, there we go. Here is my wife, Elastigirl. <laughs> and here is Mike Colson, Elder Mike Colson. <laughs> Where's he at? There's his wife. Anyone knows Elder Denise? <laughs> and here is Elder Karen. <laughs> Annie Oakley, <laughs> all good people. And here is my brother, Elder Jeff, that was just up here. <laughs> and there's uh, Martha Stewart. <laughs> here is uh, the Foxes, Titus's parents. They're not in here today, but um, 
Here is a part of the security team. You guys are well protected. This is one of the security team here, okay? This is, El this is uh, Joseph. And <laughs> this is Rambo. <laughs> this is actually uh, Abel. And we have Liam here. William Wallace from Braveheart. And here we go. Here is, is he in here? There he is. There he is. Indiana Jones. This is Randy. We got to have Captain Picard, right? Every one of these guys are good guys, man. I am incredibly blessed to work with this. And look at here, man. Look who this is. This is who Shunder gets to go home with every night, man. You know? <laughs> and here's another one of security team. Norge, is he in? I don't know. There he is. There he is. And here is the toughest woman we have in this place. Sarah Connors from Terminator. <laughs> and here's our last one. Thor. Titus. <laughs> Who's hiding back there? Okay. Anyways, I thought we'd have some fun with you guys. I had, uh, um, when I think about these guys, we're all good guys. We all think about doing these. We all grew up. My parents told me all the time, you're a good guy. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. I told my kids, they're a good boy. They're a good girl. It's something natural. When we see movies, we naturally, it's just instinctual that we go to see those movies. We're drawn to see those movies because we think of ourselves as the good person. We want to be the athlete. We want to be this. We want to be the character, the savior. The superhero, we want to be there. And so we all think about those things. That's what draws us to this. Because in our heads, we think that we're the good guy. We believe. We, we want to be the good way. We're drawn to being that. I want to tell you guys a story about me. Um, it happened a couple years ago. It doesn't make a difference to the time. But um, several years ago, um, I want to tell you a story about me being the good guy. Um, I had, uh, um, I pick up food every morning for the food pantry and, um, I get up like four in the morning, five in the morning, depending on what day of the week it is. And I used to go to this one business and they would donate food to us every single day. I would show up almost every day and we'd collect food. And I had such a problem with someone there, the person, my contact there, and I'm not going to use any names, but I, but I had a problem with her. And um, she just, she didn't like me. I did everything I could to like me. I remember praying and praying and praying for her. I remember doing everything I could to get her to, to like me or to just be nice to me. I figured once she was nice to me, I'd break the, break the ice and I'd be able to do, uh, be able to get favor with her or break in her heart and tell her about Jesus or something. And so... I went over and over and I prayed for her. And there's times when I'd bring volunteers in with me every morning. We'd go in and someone would be a new one and someone would go, what did you do to her? You've done something to this woman. I No, I've never. It's just the way we've got treated. It's the way I've got treated. And they knew by the end of the time that they were treated the same way. And um, I would go in super early in the morning. 
I would I'd talk to other people and say, okay, what's in her department? What needs to be done? And I would go in there 30 minutes before and do the work for her, do work for her, so that she'd walk in and because she wouldn't have a volunteer, or I'd do something over. I mean, I did all kinds of things to, to make it, to, to, to break her heart, to show her the love of Jesus, to show her no matter what she did. And for years, I showed up. Every, I showed up every morning. And they kept telling me, why do you do this? Why, why? I said, because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would love her no matter how much she is ugly to me, to you. And, and I told the guys, guys, we just need to suck it up. Right. Remember, we're getting food. We're feeding people. It brings us, it's the connection to us and Jesus. And so we just need to do this. We just need to, and some of them took it easy. Some of them didn't take it. And uh, we just eventually, um, about, about two or three years after this treatment, finally one of the upper management came to me and they said, Matt, we need to talk with you. And I said, okay. And they said that, that I, need to, uh, I need to talk with you because it's been reported to me that, that you guys are stealing things. And I said, what? I said, we're not stealing anything. I would never, there's not a man that's here with me that I would bring into this place. She's like, well, she came to me and told me that you're stealing things. And I said, you know, I've apologized and apologized to her over the years that I don't even know what I apologize for. I've gone up to her several times and said, hey, I don't know what I've done to upset you, but I apologize for whatever it is. And every single time she told me, oh, I'm not upset, I'm not upset, I'm not upset. But yet we got treated horrible. There's times when I showed up, there was no food. I'd show up at 4 o'clock morning and there's no food. And I would find out that she threw everything in the trash the night before so we'd have nothing. And I put up with this, whatever this, and I said, you know, I've done everything I can. I would never steal. Never, never, never steal. You know? And he came and he says, Matt, I, I actually know that you wouldn't steal. But because of politics in the, in the company, I need to come to you and make you aware <laughs> that someone has reported you doing it and that I need you, you know, you're kind of on notice that we know you're doing it and I need to do something to say, justify that I did something. And I said, okay. I left there that day and never returned. Um, but that day when I left, I, I was so angry. I'd never been angry before. I always told myself in my head, I justified that I'm doing Jesus's work here. I'm gonna put up. Jesus got beat up. Jesus, people said bad things about him. Treat, Jesus got treated horribly. I'm gonna put up with it. I'm gonna put up with it. I'm gonna put up with it. And so I did. I put up with this for years. And finally I just said, well, now I have to stop because I was so furious about my character and also that these men of God who, that who volunteer their time and their heart, they're not paid. Now they're called thieves. So I had no choice. I, I, I left, I drove back to the pantry and I shifted that truck like it was a Ferrari. <laughs> and I got back to the pantry and I was absolutely just livid mad. And I want to tell you, I walked to the back of that pantry that morning. We had no food that day because it happened when I showed up. We had no food. Everyone left, and I was there. And just there with one of the employees, I walked to the back of the pantry, and Jesus uh, had a come-to-Jesus meeting with me back there. I showed up back there, and, and God had shown me something, this, 
I showed up back there and I just fell to my knees. I bawled like a baby. I asked him to forgive me. And I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought that I was doing exactly where God wanted me to be. I want to do something this morning. And I put up all the pictures and made us laugh because I want to get really honest with everyone in this room. I want honest, objectively, I want all of us to look at our lives and think that in the next few minutes that we could possibly, possibly one or two of us or all of us or we could be wrong. That we could be wrong. That we could be doing what God wants us to do. And that we could possibly be wrong. Some people go to church, and I know I've done it. Um, who's ever been accused of, oh, accused of, oh, you did something wrong? I'm like, no, man, I would never do that, man. I go to church. I, I do all these things in my head. I, you, you know, I go to church. I'm saved. I, I, I would never do those things. That's not who I am. That's almost what I did that morning of. But, but that, is a, that is something that, remember, we always think we're the good guy. And so lots of times people go to church today and they think they go to church and it makes them right. You drive down the street or you go to work Monday morning and you find your friends that went fishing and they didn't do anything. And in my head, I say, what'd you do? And they said, oh, I went... I went fishing. And you in your head, in my head, we as Christians sometimes believe that, well, I went to church, I'm right. You know? Sometimes as a pastor, people come to us and talk to us and, and want to come to us and talk to me about things to make them think they're even more right. But the thing is, the fact is they're wrong lots of times. Some people just, some people, some incredible men of God for several hundred years have been wrong. Incredible, incredible, incredible men of God. I have a great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, incredible man. His, to show you, he was uh, upstanding, lived in Washington, D.C. He was actually what they considered a scholar of the church in Washington, D.C. back 100 years ago. He wrote books, pastors of different faiths, different religions, went to him and asked him, hey, this is what's going on in my church. How do I handle this? How do I do this? But he was a scholar. He wrote books for pastors to read and to churches and how churches should be set up and how they should run. And he's my grandfather. And from what I understand and what I believe, an incredible man of God, but he had it wrong. A hundred years ago, he was in a church and told the church and recommended things in the church and other pastors looked up to him, but he was going to a church that people of all color weren't allowed to go to. Now, this is a credible man of God, but he had it wrong. He had Jesus, he had God right, he just didn't have some of the elements of his character right. Nothing wrong. I mean, this was a, this was, there are incredible men of God that just have it wrong. 
I was one of them. Just had it wrong. I want to ask, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to go over the story again really quick here. Um, there were 10 men. We don't know if they were women, don't know if they were men. We know that they had this horrible, horrible skin condition. These men and women, whoever they were, I know of someone. Leprosy is really of a combination of about six or seven different skin diseases. So they lumped everyone. If you had a problem with your skin, you got lumped with them. And I know of someone personally who, if it was 2,000 years ago, would be considered to have leprosy. Has horrible, horrible burn, or like wounds on his skin, open wounds all the time. Painful, painful. I don't know how he lives with the pain. Scars and pains, and they go away, they come back. But these lepers here, they were, they were all Jewish, or at least God, Luke was writing the book. When he wrote this story, he was writing to Jewish people. And so nine of them were Jewish. And they followed the law, they followed, which is pretty incredible. They, it says here, they, they went to Jesus. They went and found him. They went to him. They knew Jesus. They knew at least that he did the miracles, that he could heal them. That was the best chance they had. And they started screaming, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, please. These are people that had nothing else to do. But yet they still followed the Jewish law, the Torah. It says... So Jesus said immediately, follow the Jewish law. Do what you're supposed to do. You will be healed when you go there. Jesus told them that. The man, and as they went, they got healed. And as they went, one of the men noticed the Samaritan, the one that the Jewish people would not have ever had anything to do with because they had something in common. They were all lepers now. They're all in pain and outcast. So they ran with a Samaritan, and they would have never done that. But the Samaritan all of a sudden realized he's healed, and all of a sudden he realizes, you know, guys, I'm healed already. I don't need to go to a priest. I want to go back and thank the man that healed me. I don't know what your law says. I don't... I, I don't know it. I don't understand it. But this guy, a foreigner, a Samaritan, someone who knew nothing about law, he decided the most important thing that he needed to do, what they needed to do, was, hey, guys, man, we got to go back. I got to go back and thank this guy named Jesus, man. I don't know. I'm not bound by your law. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not Jewish. I want to go back, and I want to thank this man, Jesus, who healed me. So I want to ask you guys this morning, when I told you the story and you've heard the story, and I've heard the story many times, a hundred times. When you heard this story before, who did you guys relate to? I related to the one. I thought I was the one because every movie I go to, I'm a superhero, I'm Don Johnson, I'm Superman, whatever. But I related myself to the one. I was the one because I'm a pastor. I get to pray for people. I go to church every Sunday. I do these things. In fact, I get to pray for people 
and hopefully make them see Jesus the way I see Jesus. Because I'm the one. I want everyone to see Jesus the way I see Jesus. And so I ask you again, honestly, who do we, who did you relate with? Most Christians relate with the one like I did. We do. And we have more in common with the nine than we care to admit we do. I was standing at the back of that pantry that morning and fell to my knees and started crying and praying. One of the guys came around and saw me, thought I was an idiot. Um, but I was there praying and praying. I want to talk to you about the nine just for a second. These nine incredible men. Incredible. Cannot say, will not say anything bad about them. Incredible, incredible men of God. They had this horrible skin disease, utmost, firstmost. I think if I had been healed of that, I don't know that I would have taken the time to go see a priest because it was a horrible job. The priest actually had to, you had to disrobe in front of the priest and they had to examine your body to make sure all the lesions were gone. I can't say that I would have done it. You know, they were already healed, but they decided to do this. And on top of that, Jesus told them to do it. Everything they knew, every, everything fiber in their bodies, they had been raised and believed. The Torah at the time, the Jewish law, told them this is what they need to do. So these men thought they were right. They could even, they could even challenge someone, and they probably did to the guy who left, the Samaritan. They, they could challenge him and say, no, I'm, this is why I'm right. We need to do this. This is a law. I am exactly where Jesus tells you to do something. What do you do? You guys are sitting in this service tomorrow morning in chat. All of a sudden, you hear God tell you to move to Montana. He's moving to Montana. You know? These are men of God. These nine. I mean, Jesus told them what to do. It took the one who wasn't religious, the foreigner. It took the, the one that wasn't in any way, shape, or form bound by religion to do what was right, to be the good guy. You know, I've often asked myself, did the nine, if the nine, I mean, did they stay healed? Did they, we don't, we don't know. I love these stories where you don't have an ending because in my head I can play the nine. You know what I mean? I can play about what would have happened. I, a lot of people when they're the nine, these men, these nine men, they actually, like me, and like some of us who will admit it, we believe that we're in it, we're of it, we're about it, and our, result, our results prove it. I was where I was. I was feeding people. I was praying for people. People were meeting Jesus. I was exactly where I was supposed to go. I'm trying to somehow justify it, but I can't. But I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I could prove it. Look at the results. Look what I was doing at the end. 
results are not always what they're supposed to be. We keep telling ourselves that, the results, and we don't realize how wrong we are. Remember what man applauds on this side of eternity? God profoundly applauds different in heaven. I want to read something to you guys, another memory verse for you guys. It's Matthew 18.1. At that time, the disciples came to ask Jesus, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, learn this well. Learn this well, Pastor Matt, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable like a little child, you will never be able to enter in. I told you guys that I feel one of the most blessed men in this church because I get to work in the children's department. Every day they see things different than the way we do. And I can't tell you how many times I've been back there. And sometimes I have the kids close their eyes and I read them a story like this. And then I ask them, hey, what, have, what did you see? And some of the things they come back to you are just incredible. The colors and the things, but sometimes their, their focus turns to the other person. The person that wasn't the main character in the story. It's really cool. It says, children don't always follow the rules. If we gave one up right now and gave a child a gift, they would be grateful. Absolutely, absolutely. Just like that foreigner. There wasn't rules. There wasn't anything to follow. He was grateful. He, the most important thing at that point in time, wasn't what the law said, the Torah said, or these nine other guys that he had a relationship with that he had been roaming around with or whoever they were. It wasn't about that. It was about he needed to be grateful to the man that healed him. He wasn't bound by any of those things. And look, Jesus saved him. The man was saved. Sometimes I think faithfulness is very, very, very important. But I know Jesus had to come back because my faithfulness isn't, isn't enough. Sometimes I think you get to a point in time where gratefulness is just as important. Um, some of you guys, there's someone in this room, and many people right now, that, that seem like they're struggling with things. And I have struggled with things in my life too, but sometimes we get to certain important things in our lives where we, when we start to struggle with them, we wonder, we struggle... Let's be, we struggle with bills. We struggle with relationships. We struggle with our job. And we struggle with sometimes with our children, our sons and daughters. We struggle with things with them, with things we're right of. And I said the most scariest thing that we can do when we get in that position is a lot of us, I'm included, do the exact same thing. We say, Lord, I'm having this problem, my son. I'm having this problem, my daughter. Where are you, God. Where are you? I do what I'm supposed to do. 
I'm getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm working 15-hour days. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going until I can't go anymore. I am doing what God tells me to do. I show up that day and I'm accused of stealing something. I get back to the parent and I said, where are you? I got on my hands and knees and I'm, where are you, God? Where are you? I am doing everything you want me to do. And now I'm called the thief and the men with me are called the thief. In public. I was at the back of that pantry and I fell to my hands and knees. And as I was crying, one of the things I prayed about was I thank God. God made me realize the things that I should be thankful for. That I'm even there. That I'm even in the position where I am to give a person a, a sandwich. That, he, that God is in the air that I breathe when I was angry. That God was with me. God was in the night when I got to spend with my kids. And so, I ask you guys right now, who do you relate with more? The nine or the one? I, uh, sometimes, sometimes a gauge, a little trigger for me now would be you know you're part of the nine when you can't relate with the one. See, relating to the one is exactly why the nine became the nine. They didn't relate with them anymore. You guys bow your heads for just a moment, please. Today, I believe there's people in this room, people on TV right now, on the internet right now, Lord, that are feeling overwhelmed about things in their life. Right now, those of you within the sound of my voice, I ask right now that you guys take that. Put your stuff, put everything that's overwhelming you for just a minute, put it in this box. And I ask you to put that box in the background. And I ask you right now to just allow yourself to be grateful. God saved him after that. Thank you, God. What an incredible God we have. Thank you, God. With all eyes closed, I have, God has another gift for you tonight, today, and it's free. It's a salvation that you get to have a relationship with Jesus, God, the rest of your life forever. Right now, you guys can become a follower of Jesus. I want to ask you guys to repeat a prayer after me, everyone. Father, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Redeem me. Restore me. Be, Lord, be my Lord and Savior. Okay, amen. I hope you guys receive something from this.